Pat and I arrived a week ago to the Sunshine City. It's been so good to be back in Zimbabwe. It's been a whole year, and we've had some church services. We did a marriage seminar yesterday, a Bible school during the week. We're here until April the 10th, and we're looking forward to being an encouragement and a blessing to God's people. And I trust that today God will speak something to you that will help you in your walk with him. And we're going to kind of jump right in today. The title of the message is Living in the Fullness of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. What you can do and why it's so vital that you do it to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Since COVID, it seems like things are picking up in our world, events that are happening. The war in the Ukraine, some months back, the attack on Israel. It's almost like the Lord is shouting, the time is short, the King is coming. And we want to be ready And there were virgins Jesus spoke of, ten. And they heard the cry, the king is coming, and they begin to trim their wicks. And there's a difference between five of them who had brought oil and had oil in their vessels. And they were able, in that gross darkness, to have light and to meet the king at his coming. It's so vital that you and I live in these days in the fullness of the Spirit, so that we might respond to God as he would have us respond. We can't do that in our own strength, but we can do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. My first verse is from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. I believe they'll be going up on the board here. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Another translation says, which is excess, leads to debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Drinking wine is compared and contrasted to being filled with the Holy Spirit. When a person's under the influence of too much wine, they begin to show the influence of that. Inhibitions go. They feel maybe freer, and they will say and do things they wouldn't otherwise do. Well, when someone's full of the Holy Spirit, there's a freedom. And there's a saying and a doing that goes beyond their natural self. My testimony, God had a big job. When I came to him through a book on the return of Christ, the signs of the return of Christ, the late great planet Earth. I was a university student. I read this book, got on my knees, prayed the sinner's prayer, and my life began to change. That was 46 years ago. I remember I started reading the Bible. I read things like being a witness, quick to give an answer of the hope that's in you, praying without ceasing. I'll never forget the first time I read 
be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. I was so convicted every time I read the Bible, and it was like, and I learned quickly and have known since then that it's not hard to live the Christian life. No, it's, it's not hard. It's impossible. With man, it's impossible. But with God, and by his spirit, and that's the only way we can live the Christian life. Only Jesus can live the Christian life. And he led his life in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, willpower has its place. There has to be a willingness. But it only will take you so far. There is a power beyond our will. We're going to see the things that we can do for God to do what we cannot do. Yes, there are things we can do. In this passage in Ephesians, it talks about something that we can do. But I remember, I, like I said, God had a big job. I drank too much. I smoked. I'll never forget the first time I remember the Holy Spirit speaking to me. I was in Burger King and had just eaten a Whopper and my fries. And I pulled my cigarette out, and you know, you got that urge to smoke after you eat, if you've ever been a smoker. I was just about ready to light up, and a voice from inside me, and I knew it wasn't my own mind and thoughts, because I had tried to quit, said, give me those cigarettes, and I will take them. Without another thought, I took the cigarette out of my mouth, put it with the whole pack, in the same bag that the Whopper had been in it, and I put it in the dustpan and never spoke again. What I could not do, God did by the power of his spirit. Yeah, I, I was an extreme makeover. Beginning to open my life, rooms of my heart, things that needed to be removed. Empty places that needed to be filled. It's almost half a century ago. But I still know that without the Holy Spirit, I can do nothing. I cannot change myself. Even though I may try, but the Holy Spirit has been given. And I and you, we can live victoriously in the power of the fullness of the Spirit. How? What can we do for God to do what we can't do? Well, in Ephesians 5, it gives us something. It says in verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and, and spiritual songs and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Be being filled. I find as I am driving the car, as I'm walking at home, maybe as I'm showering, a song in my heart. Recently it was, give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. And just over and over, give me oil in my lamp. And as I sing it over and over again, I feel a quickening. I feel life in my spirit. I feel myself being built up and strengthened. Give me oil in my lamp. 
keep me burning till the break of day. Another song recently was Jesus paid it all. All for me he paid. I, just a whole week long, Jesus, I owed a debt. My sin, Jesus paid it all. That'll be a way where you can build yourself up. You don't have to be like the worship team, gifted singers. Matter of fact, when I first came to Harare in 1980, I was singing uh, congregationally as we were, and a guy behind me tapped me on the shoulder and said, could you take it down a couple notes? <laughs> I wasn't hitting the notes very good. I enjoyed singing. But you know, God doesn't hear it like men hear it. And when you begin to sing and make melody in your heart, it actually says, in your heart. That's where the Holy Spirit dwells. Christ dwells in your heart by faith. And he wants to fill your heart. Yes, I believe we can be like a cup. If you believe on the Lord Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. But sometimes, I know there were times when I was going on fumes. And I know the difference of going when you're full of the Spirit, when you're energized by the Spirit, when the Spirit is motivating you and prompting you and filling you. Oh, it makes all the difference in the world. Paul encouraged Timothy Fan the flame of the Holy Spirit. That's something that you can do. Singing does that. Speaking does that. For God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. It's not automatic being filled with the Spirit. It's not something that you get when you first believe. Yes, you receive the Spirit, but the fullness is another matter. Yeah. Being filled with the Spirit is mentioned in the Acts of the Apostles. Those are the places we want to look at to see what we can do. So let's call this a tour of Acts. Places in Acts. Gas stations. Where you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, the first stop on this tour got to be the stop of the upper room. What were they doing in the upper room? They were waiting expectantly for the Spirit. Acts 2, verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. Jesus had commanded them, don't depart from Jerusalem, you're not going to be able to do it until you are endued with power from on high. Until you receive the promise of the Father, you must tarry or wait in Jerusalem. Because you know John baptized with water. But you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. You know they already had the Spirit. Jesus appeared to them in the upper room. He breathed on them and received the Spirit. If you're a believer in Jesus, you have the Spirit. But that doesn't mean that you're filled with the Spirit. This happened later. This happened because they were waiting. They were expectant. What were they doing? They were looking to God for more. 
because they needed more. And that more was transformational. We're talking about people locked away in an upper room, and then after the Spirit came upon them, they're out on the streets, fearless. There's prepositional phrases when it speaks of the Holy Spirit. In the Gospels, Jesus says, he's with you. The Holy Spirit was with them. He says, he'll be in you. But there's also the prepositional phrase, upon you. It's like a baptism. It's the Holy Spirit. It says, the Holy Spirit filled the whole house and sat upon each of them. Think of Victoria Falls when you think of this kind of a baptism. It's not just a sprinkling. It's not just a little shower. I think it's 653 million liters of water when she's full come flowing over. I mean, that's in a few seconds more water than they use in New York City. And New York City accounts for 10% of the water used in the United States. We're talking about the God who created the Victoria Fall being poured out upon you and filling you. Jesus commanded them. It wasn't a suggestion. It's like Ephesians chapter 5 that we read. Be filled with the Spirit. It's a command. It's in the imperative uh, mood of the Greek verb. In its present tense, be being filled. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit to live this Christian life. It's not a process. Sanctification, becoming holy, is a work of the Holy Spirit. But being filled with the Spirit is an immediate, instantaneous experience after you believe. We see that in the Acts of the Apostles. And Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you will receive power. What will you receive? Power. That Greek word is dunamis. It's the word we get dynamite from. The man who invented dynamite, Alfred Noble, asked someone, a friend of his, who knew Greek, what's the word? Dunamis. 120 times in Scripture. An explosive power to demolish strongholds. A power beyond yourself. The same power that Jesus needed. Jesus did no miracles until the Holy Spirit came upon him after he was baptized in the Jordan River. Did he have the Spirit before then? You bet. Did he need the fullness of the Spirit? Yes. He goes into his hometown in the synagogue. He reads from the scriptures, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. He didn't preach the gospel before that. And then he begins in the power of the Spirit, anointed by God to heal the sick. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, you and I do. Baptized in the Holy Spirit. When I came to Christ, I had lots of friends, drinking buddies, sports friends, people from school. I wanted to tell them about Jesus, but I lacked the power. I remember Leonard, my friend, having questions and, and me trying to tell him, 
You can know you're going to heaven, but not sensing the power. I had heard there was more, and on a Sunday evening, I went to a church called Faith Fellowship, and the service was getting ready to close. The pastor had been preaching. He had been preaching, if anyone is thirsty. Are you thirsty this morning? I went into that service so thirsty. If anyone's thirsty, Jesus says, let him come to me, for out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And Pastor Wilbur, with a huge grin and with joy, was preaching about Ezekiel, and out from under the temple came water, living water. It was ankle deep. Then it was a little further, thigh deep, pretty soon waist, and then it was water that you could swim in that would carry you along. And he spoke of the Spirit. And the service was getting ready to close, and I sat far in the back, and I thought it was going to be like the church I had gone to, the religious tradition I grew up in, that when he said amen, everybody's going to shoot for the door and get to their cars, and it was going to be a, a, a jam in the parking lot. So I raised my hand in the back, and I started waving, and everybody, he said yes, and everybody turned and looked and kind of like, what's going on? And I simply said, I want to be filled with the Spirit. Well, he said, come on down. I'll never forget as I was walking down the Spirit of God and experiencing love and joy. And when he laid hands on me, ah, it was an endowment of power. I went home, I prayed for two hours like I'd never prayed before. I began to speak in tongues. You know, when God can get a hold of your tongue and bypass this thing called the mind, because there is something to say about our lips and what comes out of our mouth and what we say. No man can tame his tongue. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, when you begin to yield, it says, and they spoke. Who did this speaking? They did this speaking. The Holy Spirit, again, he does what we can't do. He gave the utterance. They began to speak words. Not that they learned with their human understanding, but words they didn't understand, their spirit was praying. I'm telling you there's more. And if you've received it, you know what I'm talking about, the precious Holy Spirit filling you. It's dynamite. Matter of fact, Jesus said, I have to go away. For if I don't go away, he'll not come but he's going to be more advantageous to you than me walking with you. The Father and the Son have a special regard for the Holy Spirit. No one's seen the Father at any time, but the Father and the Son, they say, you can blaspheme me, the Father. You can blaspheme the Son, but the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit, the Father and Son regard it as an unforgivable sin. They have such a special regard for the Spirit because He is so sweet, and He brings us all that they have. He's the closeness. He's, the, he's them coming to us to dwell with us. That's why the Bible says don't quench the Spirit. Allow the Spirit to fill you, desire and thirst. Look to God with expectancy. Stir up the Spirit in you. If there's an area you're struggling in, 
if there's maybe things in your thought life that trouble you, if you're being burdened down by situations and circumstances, like our brother testified in being through all the medical issues and health issues in his body, the Holy Spirit. I'll never forget in Harare, it was Bible school, it was church, it was a building program, it was being an elder in two churches, it was all the cares and the concerns, it was having a meeting that evening, lying in my bed in the afternoon, just exhausted. Didn't feel like I had, but fumes. I cried out to God. The next thing I knew, I started laughing, and I laughed so hard, I rolled out of bed, and when I stood up, it was all different. I was able, <laughs> I was able to go and minister in the strength of the Spirit and do what I could not do in my own strength, praying. That's our second stop. The Holy Spirit coming down. We go down to a street, just down the street from where Pentecost happened. They were praying together, focused fervently with one accord. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Prayer, so important. We think these things are just regulated to the New Testament and the Bible, and maybe you think God doesn't do these things today. Or that, you know, this is just so unusual, or maybe that's for Mark, because uh, whatever. It's for you, and it's for me, and it's for everyone who God has called. It's to your sons, and it's to your daughters. It's to as many as the Lord our God will call. And this is what Joel spoke about. And this is what Peter says on the day of Pentecost. And I needed to not only be filled at faith fellowship that evening, I needed to be filled again. I needed a time of refreshing. I needed another experience with the Holy Spirit as I was lying upon my bed. The third stop. What an important stop. Again, in Jerusalem, we need to visit the temple compound because something happened there, and we learned something there about walking in obedience. This is what Peter says in Acts 5, verse 32. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. What are we looking at here? a willingness to obey God, to do what God tells us to do, even when it's maybe inconvenient. To be able to stop what you're doing and, and, and being sensitive to the Holy Spirit in what you're doing, in your situations and circumstances, to what he wants. Peter says there's a need to be willing to obey, to do what you can do so that he can do what you can't do. I had such a conviction I needed to be a witness. My first mission field was the Christ Hospital. Nine floors, 500 beds, people who were sick and in great need. 
My job was to prepare men for open-heart surgery, which meant shaving them from their neck to their ankles. They would take veins from their lower legs to bypass blocked arteries. I would do four to five men a night. I knew I was to be a witness. God had given me that job. I walked the halls with such a conviction. I'd be praying as I'd be going into a man's room, knowing that that following morning they would cut him straight down separate his ribs, stop his heart, put him on a lung machine, bypass those blocked arteries, and then he'd be zapped like raising a man from the dead. I never forget going into surgery, coming from Bible school, where I was being taught the word of God and coming into the operating room and in one of the back surgery rooms. Just a, you could sense the atmosphere. Just the nurses, their heads were down. They were cleaning the instruments. Nobody was talking. I went into the room. It looked like a war scene. I mean, there was blood on the walls. There was so much blood on the floor. The table was covered with blood. I had my gloves on. I was first thing I would do when I would come would be to clean the operating room before I would prepare patients for surgery the following day. And one of the nurses let me know They fought frantically, the doctors did, but he died on the table. I went and saw the list and the man's name, and I knew I had spoken and prayed with him the evening before. And it was driven home to me what Paul said in Acts 20. I'm innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the full counsel of God's word. And I I wouldn't push it on men. I I would... have 40 minutes with them, and I found, invariably, after asking them about their families, about their work, as they were facing surgery the next day, they would be talking to me, and I would just be asking them questions, taking interest in them. Invariably, they'd say, and what do you do, young man? And I would tell them I was in Bible school. I would share how Jesus changed my life. Often, will you pray for me? They're on their back. They're looking up. People need Jesus. There's so many people we run into who need Jesus. The other day I was busy doing something, and the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to help you do that, but I want you to talk to that man. I found after I spoke to that man, it was like God blessed what I was doing, what I was busy in a hurry doing. Because we need to be obedient And we need to be thirsty and hungry. We need to press in. And God will do what's impossible for us. The fourth stop is the city of Caesarea. It's a man named Cornelius' house. We see that it's hearing like you are hearing today and believing the word of God. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Wow. The gospel came not only in word only. Paul's gospel came with demonstration. Peter's gospel, while he was speaking, Holy Spirit came upon them. Just like on the day of Pentecost. Why? They were believing. They were taking God at his word. They were saying, if God said it, that settles it. I believe it. I'll never forget my early months in Zimbabwe. Being with Ebi Mahupete, 
and driving down into Bikita. It was during the drought years in the 80s, terrible drought. We'd get to a river, it'd say like 80 kilometers, and, and, and we'd get to that river and it was just sand. Hadn't been rain, whole rainy season. We got to where, and we drove off the paved roads, the dirt roads, pretty soon we were between trees. It was gonna be a conference. I asked, why did you choose this location? Because there's a borehole. We had light bulbs strung from Ebby's truck battery. We were preaching at night, and one night while preaching, the people were believing God, and the Holy Spirit came down. It was such a mighty manifestation. I'll never forget a young boy's face, maybe 10 years old. His hands were lifted up. Tears were streaming. He was caught up with the living God. There was ecstasy happening in his heart. Oh, it gripped me. It'll stay with me forever. The following day, it began to rain. So many inches of rain, so many millimeters of rain. It was the drought was broken. And everybody in the area, even those who weren't at the conference, who knew this conference was happening, it was a sign and a wonder to them that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. And he will come to us like the rain, like the early and latter rain. He will do what man cannot do. He will pour out his spirit upon us. God is pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. Our last stop. In Acts 8.17, the city of Samaria, asking in faith while hands are laid on you by someone filled with the spirit. That is the most frequent way the Spirit was ministered in the Acts of the Apostles. Happened at the city of Samaria. Happened in Paul's life when Ananias laid his hands on him. Happened when Paul went to Ephesus, laid the hands, his hands on 12 believers. It says, then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. They had been believers. They were baptized. Philip had preached to them, but they hadn't yet received the Holy Spirit. You might be stressed and burdened today. You might be struggling with something in your life. Weighing you down. Maybe cares about your family. About a situation, a relationship. The Holy Spirit. He will do for you. He will do in you. He will do through you what you cannot do. He will come upon you. I asked Pastor Ian if we might save a song for the end, that we might do what it says in Ephesians 5, sing to the Lord, and that while singing, we might be believing, we might be thirsting, we might be asking. We might be taking God at his word and experience the Holy Spirit upon us. Can we do that? Can we take a moment and do that and have the worship team come? Because as they do, I'm reminded, as they get into position, I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul 
persecuted, beaten, thrown in prison, him and Silas, about midnight, they started singing, it says, hymns, and the other prisoners heard them. And those hymns went up through the roof of that prison into heaven. And God poured out the Holy Spirit. It says they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and the prison shook, and the doors opened, and their chains fell. Will you stand with me this morning, and can we so worship God that we experience the power of his spirit in our life for freedom and liberty, for open doors, for the unshackling of burdens, for the freedom that God has for his children.